0: we go welcome to you mean the tavern episode 50, 50 we are all together once again lucky you all um what happened last time
1: Joe. Joe, anyone? A, lot of, a lot of shit man a lot Yeah, of shit. a
0: lot of stuff happened last time um let's see if i can bring it in let's see 40 episode 49 we m- meet our heroes uh and tess and carl's dad and their mounts and they are all in this domed area that looks a whole lot like the old uh place in the temple of pelor that they visited way 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 back in like the second episode and they all received um this vision of the priests when they returned these um totems and each of these priests came forward and told them of the story of the seventh priest named Ren who um, represented the sin of of wrath and he betrayed Pelor when they came to defeat the Dread King and instead Ren kind of casted a spell that allowed him to survive throughout the ages and slowly he possessed people to murder the priests and to go send these totems far, far away from the actual real uh, temple of Pelor. We ended with Tess realizing that she could create a portal back to the original temple from this vision, from this this fey realm. And she does that. She, you know, the waters of the pool churn and our heroes, uh, Carl grabs his dad and grabs Tess and all of them and their mounts dive deep into this pool and that's where the episode ends. So, um, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. I think
1: I did like a cool backflip. You
0: probably on, yeah uh,
1: on Rosa. Did
0: you like a barrel roll? Made well, enough? not
1: a, bar- a barrel roll is like in a barrel shape. I did like a loop to loop.
2: Ending in a die <coughs> you're right I would. yep oh, yeah, okay. that's exactly I definitely what want to make sure that's the <laughs> detail we got right
0: <laughs> you uh you dove into the pool each of you from this this vision that you saw through the cosmos basically through this this alternate reality um, into the, the real Temple of Pelor. And the world, it spins around you and you feel yourself being pulled in a million different directions. You see flashes of rings of light zoom past, voices pulsing and growing louder, shouts, screams of agony, an immense heat rises in your blood. And then at once, you and your mounts and everyone around you are spat out and land hard on the cold stone floor of the Temple of Pelor. You are drenched in a mixture of sweat and water from the pool that you came from. Carl, you see your dad fall in a heap beside you, and Tess kind of scrambles to her feet and rushes to him to pick him up. Uh, he's still out cold, comatose from the, you learn these years of possession that he only barely lived through. He's still breathing, but he is he is out. And as you get to your feet and look around, this the dome roomed that you remember from the Temple of P'lor long ago, episode two, um, has nearly been reduced to rubble. Complete rubble. Huge stones from the walls are sunk deep into the marble floor that's cracked and broken. Surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly anymore, you see the six of the seven statues still sitting proudly on columns that remain standing and untouched, if only by age. It's as if something came through to destroy this place, but by some magic, the statues would not fall. The six stone hooded figures look down on you once more with one hand open, the other closed tight, as you remember. Beyond them and upwards past the dome into the sky is nothing but a dense gray fog specked with a never-ending rain of ash that falls slowly and relentlessly from an unknown place. And far off in the distance, unseen but heard, is the low wailing of man, woman, and child, constant and droning past the fog. The air around you is unpredictable. It's humid and heavy, but with an ice-cold, dry chill that occasionally wisps by, stirring up the fallen ash around you. The black plain that you've only heard from in storybooks is here in your own land, ever expanding with the Dread King's reach, and you lie now in the heart of it. And Carl, as you all stand there, you feel these totems in your possession begin to shift and move on their own. They are pulling... Towards the center pool with some sort of magnetic force. Uh, what do you all do?
2: So I have the sash still.
0: Yes. I have all the others. Right. So you all, you actually, yeah, that's right. Tug, you have the sash. You actually feel all this.
2: <gasps> so we're being well. pulled to the center of the room we're in of the statues.
0: Yeah. If you're holding the totems or if they're like on your person, you can feel them pulling towards this pool that you came out of, basically in the center of this domed room. Where all these like, statues are looking down.
3: But there's also the number of, th- there's seven, seven totems,
0: right? Correct. You only have but, six. I you have did six. learn. Right. You have five. Have five. He has I one. He's six. got the sash. You did learn in the last episode that the seventh totem was that of the black heart of Ren, the seventh priest. Right. Correct.
1: So you guys are getting pulled towards the middle of the
3: room.
2: Yeah. I, you're fine. Humble with no <laughs> totems. Am totally unfazed. Uh, well, I'm not going to go back to the pool that we just got regurgitated out of. That doesn't sound like the right direction, and that's where you're getting pulled towards, right? Yes. Correct.
3: But we we associate each totem with a different statue, right? Right. Yep. So I think line up I, the with I
0: the
2: think statues? we should line
3: up the totems with the statues. Okay. Or
2: <laughs> you tie the Hold sash on. around my <laughs> feet, <laughs> you, and it, then you dip me into the pool. <laughs> So,
3: <laughs> all right, that's what we're gonna do. Check it out. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Check
2: it out. You know, like, it out. Bye. Okay, so not me. Tug. So, so tug.
3: Tug lays down on the ground, and because this, you've got, you're wearing it as a waistband, right? That's,
2: Correct. That's what I think it said. would be better if we tied it around my feet, like I was doing yeah, a bungee yeah. jump.
0: Yeah, that's what we're gonna do.
2: Okay, we're gonna dip
0: tug. Okay. So, so what are you doing with the totems you have?
3: I'm going to wear them. I'm going to keep them with me. I guess I don't know. I mean,
2: yeah. Maybe we should line them up with the priests first and just see what they're like incredibly powerful. It's not like a Zelda game.
1: Or maybe it is. (laughs) If we take them off, I mean, didn't the whole reason we got them is because we need their powers? Well, we think we do or do we need to use them like keys?
0: I, you're looking at me. Right. Well, yeah, that, that's a benefit I, of being in I the can't same tell room now. I'm just asking what what you doing.
1: Mm. Can uh, well, I don't have any fucking totems. I'm Uh t- before before we to do, do the perception check. 4. <laughs> All right, you uh, actually no, hold on. I got a shit ton of perception. 13.
0: <laughs> wow, 4 to 13. <laughs> yeah. Um you can sense that uh, you said, Carl and Tug have said nothing at this point, but you can definitely sense that they are kind of like Maybe uncon- not unconsciously but unwillingly moving towards the pool based on the totems that they hold like you can you can see that they're like wavering back and forth trying to fight against this magnetic force that's pulling them back to the middle um that's what you see with that thirteen okay so
2: tug being pulled uh, before we go with this bungee jumping idea <laughs> uh turns to test hey test this uh this sash is pulling me back towards the pool uh can you What's what's going on between the totem and where we just came from?
0: Okay, uh, she says, I, I don't know, Tug. I, I closed the portal. I, I opened the portal. We came here, and it's closed. So that pool is as normal as it was before. I suppose I I am not controlling it anymore. We can't be sucked back in unless there's some kind of magical force working beyond my means.
2: I was you really mean, no hoping like, you'd use perhaps an arcana no. check to see what kind of magic <laughs> was going on, but um instead I'll go I'll without relinquishing the relinquishing the sash tug um walks towards the sixth priest that they just got the sash from, the statue, um just to see if something an interaction begins to happen within the statue to the sash.
0: Okay. Uh, Carl, what are you doing? Just stand, stand. Uh, in the same seeing,
3: place? seeing the like t- tugs kind of approaching the statue. Uh, I'm just kind of resist uh, the force of the pull and make my way over towards Durf, uh maybe to unload some of these well, so totems. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: shock on the necklace though. We're
0: the in necklace. the midst of fog. You uh, are so. Currently, it's kind of strange. the The dome that you're in. Um, you can feel the effects of the fog, but they are outside of this area. It seems like, like, all around you, if you were to look out, like, toward, you know you're in the middle of the misty wood. If you were to try to look out towards Woodhaven, all you would see is, like, opaque grayness. Like, all around you. But it seems like it hasn't entered the dome. Like even so I can, though the- I can see, like, 10 feet in front of me. You can see 10 feet in front of you. You can see everything okay. that's inside the dome, but it seems like wherever the ceiling used to be, like past it, it's almost like there's some kind of barrier that's keeping the fog at bay from further out from entering into this place that you're in. And it's dark. Can we see everything in the room we're in? Mhm. Yeah, there's still the there are still lanterns kind of lit, torches lit on the columns where these priests are so you can see around you. There is a gl- there is a glow to the place. Um from firelight and from something beyond your your beyond your comprehension. Tug, as you like, walk towards this priest, give me a strength check.
2: D twenty minus one. Let's go. <laughs> Eighteen. Eighteen? Yep.
0: Okay. You hold this sash, and as you get further away from the pool, the, the, the strength of the pull grows even more. Like you get further away and it is pulling you back, but you are able to somehow uh clasp on tight. Um, no response from the statue that's literally just above you at this point, but Durf? you definitely feel it f- harder. Derf is
1: walking in every direction without being impeded at all to flex on the other two party members. You're flexing? I'm flexing what by it? walking unimpeded in every Oh, direction.
0: right. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> and so are there doors... We're in, like, the middle of the temple, right?
0: You were in the middle of the temple. No no other rooms that you can see that you... You know, like, there's tunnels, at least, other rooms because you've been in here before. You can't see any other place in the temple because of the fog. You only see what's inside this domed area. Durf walks up to the edge of the fog mm-hmm. and uses,
1: like, gust of wind mm-hmm. to try to blast some of the fog away and see what I can see down, like... I don't know, a random hallway.
0: Okay, what's your spellcasting modifier?
1: Um, wisdom? Wisdom. As a
0: druid, just give me a a spell attack using that modifier and proficiency and tell me what you get. 14. 14, all right. You, you blast this uh, gust of wind that goes maybe 10 feet in front of you and you can see the fog kind of billowing away and almost instantly retreating back and you see nothing but... So it's yes. an artificial
2: fog, or it seems like, Good use or a conjured fog. Um, look, actually, I, we need to split up the carrying of the totems, I think. Or are we going to do the Zelda?
1: Why don't we put one thingamajig on its corresponding priest?
0: So the priest statues are pretty high up. They're like 15, 20 feet up. So you could, I mean, you've got mounts. You could fly up there if you want, but just so you know.
2: Do we want to try that and see if anything happens? Sure. Since I'm right in front of one, and I already passed a strength check, so we'll, we'll go ahead and ride out on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tug whistles for Boomsday, who just kind of careens over and scoops him up. And he goes to about uh, waist high and... Uh, no, not waist high, but uh, arm high and kind of wraps part of, like, kind of keeps, like, himself sashed in, because it's a very long sash, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty long. Um, he keeps a, a good amount of it wrapped around himself, but then starts to wrap it around the statue's wrist.
0: Okay. Um, okay, so... So you soar up with Kaboomsday, and mm-hmm. you, you lay this sash in the open hand of this priest, and... At once, the stone hand closes around this sash and it pulls up and actually you now hang basically from this sash that is that is pulling you upwards and a golden light starts to shoot out from the center pool um, across the floor almost like leading down uh, a tunnel like uh, like water down a, a channel basically this golden white light from the center of the pool across the floor it creeps up the column and it enters into this statue and it spreads around this statue almost like blood vessels. Like you just see these, this light start to like surround the statue. Um, the color returns, it, it, it was like this old stone that has had been faded like an old, old fresca. And now um, the deep brown of its robe returns, the golden, you see the golden sun, the symbol of Pelor around its belt, uh, shine bright once again. And as it closes its hand around this sash and all this happens, its closed fist opens, and there you see a single marble-sized glow of light, just an extremely bright marble-sized orb um, that brightens. And at this, at this point, once one of the statues has the totem, I want you both to roll strength checks And Actually, Carl, you just roll a strength check at disadvantage. 17. 17? Alright, that's pretty good. But you feel <laughs> this intense, intense um pull of these totems into the center pool. Still. It just grows even more now that one of them has it.
3: Which one's the closest to Tuck? Probably the
0: the shorter, stouter one, the dwarven.
3: I will that's the gear guy.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah.
3: I dwarven. will move I'm dwarven. I'm gonna move towards the, the short stout one. Put okay, and gear. you take
0: you're taking the gear out. Yeah. Right. Okay, so, so you raise this this gear up towards this dwarven hand, and his hand clasps around it, and, and same thing. This light appears, this glowing light appears from the center pool um, and stretches outward towards the walls and creeps up the column and starts to surround this, this dwarven-like blood vessels, and the whole thing glows, and the colors change, they're more vibrant, and Glorn looks up to the sky, and his other hand opens up and you see another marble sized glowing orb and actually um give me a perception check uh carl and tug too cuz actually actually uh yeah carl and tug 7 7
2: uh 16
0: 16 tug um you're climbing up and you're kind of like like your hands are clasping the uh sash above you and you take a hard look at your hand and you see that mark, that black mark from before, and you see that one of the arrows after giving this sash to the priest is glowing a hot white, and it's a it's painless. And uh, the light from your hand matches that of the orb. Carl, you don't notice this, but Tug, you do.
2: I'm going to make sure I grab, when when I get there, if I get there, when I grab the orb is going to be with that hand.
0: Okay. All
2: right. With my marked hand that's glowing, the hot white now. All
0: right. Uh, Tug, you you reach up. You reach up to this orb, and you wave your hand in front of it to grab it, but it just phases right through. Your hand just phases right through like a ghost. Like, no effect whatsoever.
2: Didn't anticipate that. Um, with n- Tug doesn't have much of a fear of the orb going anywhere, Uh, so... Tug just kind of free falls off the statue, lands on Boomsday, and like sweeps towards Carl to maybe grab another totem and go to the next closest uh, 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 priest.
0: So you all are like in turn going to the rest of the priests and depositing? Yes. Correct.
3: Okay. So like as I see him fall and land on Boomsday, I take out the necklace and kind of hold it out so that as he passes by, I can attempt to give it to him.
0: Okay. And, and Durfus is just walking around yeah. aimlessly. Okay, uh, so basically you guys go one by one to these statues, and, and you place uh, the six totems in the Priest of floor, in their open hands. And in turn, um, you see the light from the center pool stretch out through these these passageways, these canals basically that creep around the floor and move up these columns into these statues of the priests Um, and each of them close their hand around the totem and open their hand um, and show the orb and after the sixth one you you drop off the the uh, ring of elise uh, the final, the final totem, and you, you all drop to the ground uh, and stand around this pool as this, as this light stretches out, and you look at your hands, and all three of your hands are now glowing with that same mark. It's this, this line with each of the arrows on either side, and the mark begins to raise up from your hand into a, a physical object. You can, you can see it's floating above your hands, um, and it zooms out towards the center of the pool and it's they spin around each other. All three of these arrows, they spin around each other, meeting at the central point, and then all at once they stop completely parallel to the lines that are on the floor, these six lines, and they branch out. Uh, these These arrows expand and they branch out, and where you once saw this V, this arrow, pointing outwards, you notice that it it bursts right into the statue with its hands out like this. And they are reaching out into the central pool uh, with one hand, with this orb. And you hear this whisper in the wind from the priests all at once. And they say, you have answered the call. Now step forward to receive our blessing. And the orbs raise up from the palms from before. And they burst forth from the statues and two of them each enter the chests of all three of you and you feel this incredible warmth this this incredible feeling just comes over you washes over your entire body you feel rejuvenated you feel um immense joy for just a split second i mean the the feeling that you that you have is is overwhelming and each of you are given two blessings from each of these priests so I'm going to hand you these, Carl. And I'm going to hand you these, Derf. And I'm going to hand those a tug. You can pass those there. Uh, you can read those, but um, I will say this. You don't need to read them out loud to each other. But when you want to use them, these are these are actions. They are free actions. So that means you can use them as reactions. You can use them on your turn. You can use them outside your turn. Whenever you feel like calling out, I want to use one of my blessings, you can. And the blessings are temperance, humility, kindness, charity, purity, and diligence. And they all represent the opposite of the sins that you all have overcome, the six sins that you have overcome.
1: And you said, so We don't. Need, it's not even a reaction? We can use you them can whenever use them. we want? You can use them.
0: They are one-time use. You can only use them once. You can only activate a blessing once. Okay. When you want to use it, that's when we'll reveal what it actually is. But, yeah, free, free action. So anytime you want. It doesn't have to be on your turn. It can be on any other that's person's dope. terms. <laughs> Whenever you want, you can use them. This is Mine are really good. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited. Cool. And they should be related somehow to the actual Virtue.
2: <clears throat> so this isn't, again, we trigger these at any point in time. It's not a bonus action. Nope.
0: Anytime you want. Free action. Okay. Complete free action.
2: Yeah, mine are fucking gas. So,
3: so are mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and as Tug's this happens. Tug's
2: dick three sizes. <laughs> all
0: right. And um, as these orbs pass through your bodies, you feel this sensation. You feel like you have gained this incredible power. That you may have been questioning, uh, you know, acquiring these totems throughout your old adventure. Nothing really cool happened. This is the moment you have. You have rece- You know, in your heart, you have received this incredible power from uh, the priests of Palor. And more so than that, as they pass through into your hearts, your clothes and your armor. Uh, begin to shift and change. Tug, your your patched pants—they slowly transform to this white, silken, flexible material. You feel you feel breathable. You feel like you can move in any way without hindrance.
2: Are they kind of like hammer pants? Absolutely, one hundred percent.
0: Like the pants from Aladdin. Yes, you know what I'm talking about those. Yes, they are they're, they're yes. The
2: white silk. That's exactly how I picked. Um,
0: you you your sleeves—they just. T- off they rip off if they haven't already been ripped off already i don't know if you've covered from that these guns and your shirt your your shirt <laughs> is replaced with this black vest trimmed in this bright gold fabric and a hood with similar coloring just forms right behind your shoulders a uh, durf the dirt and grime from your clothes washes away instantly and you're left with the finest leathers of dark brown you You see your cloak of the eagle expand behind you into this flourishing arrangement of gold, red, and yellow, pristine feathers. Your antler helm shifts and grows a dozen more points. It molds tighter around your head, and the prongs change from a dull beige bone to a bright, crisp white. And Carl, you feel the kinks in your armor from your adventures fix themselves. They pop out. The armor itself thickens and shifts, and... It covers every exposed area that your old armor could not. Um, You see the scratches and blemishes of the surface are polished down to the shiny blue, and then finally a mirrored silver with reflective gold trim, and this cape of blue silk unfurls from your back. Um, Your shield copies the same transformation, the same coloring, but the infinity symbol of Meshakal remains as bold and bright as ever. And each of you are given an armor that grants you an AC of 20. And any damage that you do is radiant damage.
1: And do we have the same... Do we have the effects we used to have?
0: Yes, all effects are the same. You just now have a base AC of 20 and... and plus the shield for me. Yeah, you get... yeah, so you get, 21, Sure, yep, yep. Whatever. And any damage you deal, whether by fist or sword or stick is radiant, radiant damage.
2: Tug, uh, is peering around at all the, uh, amazing new garb, and he kind of looks at his his left shoulder, and he sees there's just a little remnants of dust, so he kind of does, like, the... And you just see, like, a, <laughs> one cloud of dust, like, pop off his left shoulder. With his left hand, he grabs his right shoulder, and he just starts moving his right arm around, like, in an arm circle. He's just, he's raring to go. Oh, you, all you hear is, like, the... the, the uh, Tim the Tool Man Taylor like ha 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 he's just jazzed up ready to die in a cool little hood <laughs>
0: <laughs> also my blessings are buckets My my dude <laughs> yes
2: is, yes. Uh, <laughs> is, mean, is, is one of is one of uh, Durf's blessings being able to choose spells in less than a minute nope <laughs> uh, no no <laughs> we, we don't we, want to break character
0: The magic of podcast editing. So you are there. You are there now. You are standing in this domed area. Uh, The priests... I mean, everything around you is glowing now. It's like your armor is glowing. The priests are radiant from this light. Um, The marks on your hands are gone, but they're shining above this pool. Like, the, the brightness from this dome illuminates the fog, and you see the fog kind of dissipate a little bit from this light, but you are in... You are on holy ground. And then all of a sudden... A figure begins to emerge from the shadows, in the direction of where you first met him. Uh, Felix's robes are torn, and they hang loosely, dragging along the ground behind him. You see the flesh of his face drooped down into a sinister but anguished stare, and you see every jagged curve and point of bones beneath his skull and his hands. His eyes are filled with this green fire that you've only seen in visions that matches the wisping smoke inside the orb atop his staff. And he extends as he stands just outside this dome in the fog. He extends the skeletal hand towards you and he speaks his words echoing around you with venomous spit. And he says, you,
2: you dare to bring them back. Yep. He pauses for (laughs) effect. Sheriff
1: says, hey, man, you look like shit, buddy. (laughs) You want to talk about it?
0: (laughs) There There is is no no time time for talk. talk. It It is is of no 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 use, use, you fools. fools. Nothing Nothing can can stop me me now. now. (laughs) (laughs) And as he says this and laughs, you see the fog shift from all around you. Uh, from behind you in the sides, and you see these black figures begin to push forward through the fog figures that you 've seen before, winged creatures uh figures that are bent over back broken, they begin to move towards you, all stopping short of uh this temple room. How far away is he uh pretty far, like 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 fifty hundred feet, like he 's outside this outside dome. of the, the dome yeah can 't seem to to get close, and he says. The time has passed. The ones you love are dead. The world is ours now. And you see more figures pushing forward against their counterparts, kind of like pushing against each other, um, arguing, um, talking amongst each other. This entire horde is now surrounding you. Uh, But again, as they reach this light, they pause, unable to step through this Barrier that barrier that protects you, but you can sense with all this power around you, uh, the light, the holy light from the statues and from the pool is starting to flicker.
2: So the pool, the pool starting to flicker, is that giving us a sense that the barrier is weakening? To uh,
0: give me an Arcana check.
2: Yikes. <laughs> uh, okay, let me go ahead and add a strict plus zero here. Eight. Cool. Seven.
0: Seven eight. Uh, you have no idea.
2: Hey, Tess, happening. you
0: mind giving us a clue what's going on here? Okay, Tess rolls an arcana check. Uh, 19 plus her arcana, 27. <laughs> and um, she she's like, uh, we're about to be real fucked. Uh, this barrier is going down. Whatever's going, whatever's protecting us right now, uh, it doesn't have long.
2: How do we get out of here?
0: Well, I knew that. What is is there anything
3: happening with the pool?
0: Yeah, it's just flickering, just like flickering, the golden light from it. It's just kind of flickering. Yep. And and Tess, Tess actually says, "I can I can strengthen it a little bit, but it's it's gonna be smaller, and it, I really only have room enough to protect me and Carl here."
2: And she's old man she's Carl. Old man Carl. <laughs> yeah. Yo, she dumping you for old man Carl? Tug, go tug. Oh. up, up and at him, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and he, you, you just, he kind of flexes his hands out and like opens and closes them a couple times, kind of limbering them up. And then he grabs the immovable rod and the cable call, and he just claps his fists together. And uh, for the last time, or what Tug imagines to be the last time, um, his, his uh, lightning wraps just start pulsing through the rods and up, up to his shoulders. And he's, uh, he's just waiting for the barrier to break.
0: Nice.
3: Uh seeing you know Tug preparing for battle, um Carl, I'm n- I'm not willing to wait. Uh I have been waiting to get my hands on Felix. I'm going to start making my way towards Felix just in a, a very determined manner. No matter what gets in my way, I'm gonna find Felix and I'm gonna get him and I'm gonna f- see what happened to Jill.
0: Okay. Fucking hey, man. Fucking dope.
1: <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, Durf is looking through his spells. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of options here. Lot of options. Um, well, Durf has certainly got his staff in his hand in a
2: sort of combat
1: ready. (laughs) God damn, dude!
2: (laughs) Final episode! That's what you got? Yeah, he's yeah, he's holding his wood rod. Uh, kinda he seems ready to go.
1: Well, I got shit to do once we get going, but everybody else is doing <laughs> something cool right now. <laughs> I don't know. Are you all, so I'm just curious. Dirt you- hops on Rosa and starts doing, okay. I don't Barrels. know.
2: Like barrel rolls. Barrel rolls. Like, a, like in, a, in
1: an aggressive way <laughs> to like,
2: the Barrel other. rolls, but not, like, Rosa point forward, but, like, wings right. towards, so it's kind of like a buzzsaw coming yeah, at him. Yeah
1: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and a 29 is what That's I remember. That's pretty good. That's pretty good on,
2: on bail rolls. Is, Hurry uh, <laughs> Get a bunch of flies or whatever you did that one time. I, I could cast insects worm. That is
1: among my options. <laughs> cool, okay. Let's start Jesus. this fight. I don't know what you guys are waiting for. All right.
0: All right, so Carl, uh, Carl and actually, Doug, um, as you clasp this light, this lightning rod and, and cable call around you, and you smash them together in your hands, you can sense this—these um, two large, humongous, spectral, um, heavenly hands that kind of surround yours, like they—they—they they, they encompass yours, but they're like ten times as large. Yeah, basically as if you put Hellcans on it, but like 20 times as big as that. And you smash them together, and just for a moment you see these things kind of collide, and this arc of electricity uh, shines forth. And Carl, you rush forward towards Felix, and you can sense this angelic presence behind you as your form um, kind of like flickers in and out of view as you rush towards Felix. And Durf, you and Rosa are doing barrel rolls, um, and you feel as if you could do more <laughs> do build, more, build, more barrel of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you just you you feel great um and felix is raising his hands up and this green fire explodes out from his orb and it surrounds this dome um these creatures are chanting and screaming and they're jumping one on top of the other just to try to get into this dome and right as the dome breaks tess Puts up a barrier around her and, and Carl's father, and all hell breaks loose, and they rush towards you as you rush towards Felix and uh, Roll Initiative. Hello, everybody. I am and have always been your Dungeon Master Joe. Thank you so much for listening into this final episode of You Meet in a Tavern. I can't tell you how much fun I had and the guys had. Recording this episode, uh, we all left just with huge smiles on our face. We were super proud of the work we did. And I was super surprised with the stuff that these guys came up with. To finish this out, to wrap this up. So I hope you, I hope that shows uh, in this episode. I hope in the, in the rest of it, you know, you listen to the second half and are just blown away. Uh, I know I certainly was, and I, I just hope you enjoy it. Um, I want to take a quick, quick moment to thank our fifteen dollars or more patrons. These are people that donate to the show, fifteen dollars a month, really keep us going and will keep us going in the future. So Dash Cole, Andre K, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, Eleanor Fitchett. I'm just saying Tarkin Davis, Sierra Clark, Jason Ford, Jonathan Zeman, Michael Kennitzer, GM Binder, Max Bender, Holly Roxana, Strive for Honor, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Joe, you know who this is. Please read the entire name. And Karen Angel. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for all your support, everything you do for the show. Um, you have no idea how much it means to us. And even if you don't financially support us, you know, we have a ton of people that really support the show through discord and through Twitter and through writing iTunes reviews. Um, We have just for the past two and a half, three years, we have just felt an outpouring of love from our listeners. So I want to thank you, the listener uh, for sticking with us for this long. Thank you so much for being a part of our campaign, a part of our lives for the past two and a half years. Um, It has been a hell of a ride and I am so, so excited to share this episode and uh, what's left with you all today. So, enjoy it, um, savor it every moment, listen to it over and over again, whatever you want to do but thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, thank you and enjoy the rest of the show
2: 22 for Tug this might be it. This Do I get to go fo- first? <laughs> you, <laughs> you get 20. to die
0: first? Okay. Come on. <laughs> I've got a five. All right, Tug, you are up.
2: <clears throat> so Tug, uh, Carl bursts past him with rage and intensity heading towards Felix. And uh, the amazing and uh, just a precise cutting through the air barrel rolls by Durf on top of Rosa. Tug begins kind of rolling his eyes and he pulls out of his pocket. The hand-sized uh, blow-up doll and pulls the rip cord on the back, activating the substitute, <laughs> oh, geez, which, that. which we thought would uh, would pop out and look like a uh a blow the blow-up doll that it originated from, but it actually poof, and it turns into a half-sized Tug mug bar, <laughs> um just right next to him, and he's like, huh, didn't expect that, kind of does like a little chuckle, and then Tug, uh. Putting, putting the cable call in the movable rod between his pinky and thumb and putting his three fingers together closes his eyes for a moment and activates um, uh, one of his blessings and it's the blessing of humility and the blessing of humility is the freedom of arrogance and self worth with great humility comes great wisdom to always feel as though you have something to learn from others and to celebrate others accomplishments more than your own With this blessing, you forfeit your turn in any round to guarantee that any of your allies' attacks will hit until the beginning of my next turn. So you all auto-succeed your attacks uh, or spells or whatever until I go again. So Tug uh, has the immovable rod and the cable call kind of in between his thumb and pinky and kind of like braces the his index middle and ring fingers together and closes his eyes for a second and then he just kind of tears them apart and just this massive massive light just fires through uh the surrounding kind of like in a in a pulse that just goes again it kind of hits carl in the back and he just gets a boost of speed and uh rosa's and uh durf's barrel rolls pick up an intensity seeming to cut through the air even easier um and tug is just uh, keeps his arms out in that motion uh until he stands firm until his next (laughs) turn uh to uh, see what kind of damage these boys can do
0: and tug as you uh, as you stand in this stance with your arms out you sense and all all three of you sense this towering angelic figure uh, appear from outside of the fog you see the outline of it with its hands outstretched uh, wings spread wide um, a pillar of 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 humility, standing there outside the fog, looking down on the battlefield. You three are the only ones to see this. And, Durf, it's your turn. You're up.
1: So, Durf is flying. Durf sees Carl running towards Felix. He knows what's up. Um, He is going to... He's going to fly sort of above him, kind of shadowing him. And he casts a 5th level Conjure Animals... Uh, to summon two columns of eight wolves, one on either side of Carl as he's running towards Felix. Fuck. And yeah. I don't want to roll initiative for him. Their orders are just to protect him at all costs as he runs towards Felix. a so
0: flank Carl, um, right.
1: And so they're charging along with him on either side. And then between, like basically at the midpoint between Felix and Carl as they're kind of converging Derf throws down as a bonus action, a bear spirit totem, which gives every creature of my choice within its aura fifteen. Wait, we're level ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. So fifteen temporary hit points as well as advantage on strength checks and strength saves.
0: Okay. Um advantage on strengths strength checks and strength saves? Yeah. Okay, nice. So Carl, you are rushing forward with these wolves on either side of you flanking you feeling um just incredibly powerful from from uh tug's meditation his blessing and felix is up next
2: let's <laughs> let's go <laughs> all
0: right so carl he has this skeletal hand pointed at you directly at you looking you in the eyes your eyes meet and And at the tip of his finger starts to form this green orb that grows in size. And after a few seconds, it grows and grows and grows. And then at once, this beam, this concentrated beam of light just fires forward down the lane in between the the wolves. And I want you to make a constitution saving throw. As
3: the the beam starts to shoot at me, I'm going to cast shield as a reaction. Okay. Fifteen.
0: Fifteen does not pass. So... You cast this shield, but this this wizard is, I mean, this is a godlike wizard, and this concentrated beam of green light breaks through your shield, almost forming a hole directly in this holy armor, and strikes through your armor, and you're going to take a total of 49 necrotic damage. <laughs> this beam of light fucking excuse me of light (laughs) surrounded in in this green evil energy pierces through your skin
1: that's why we got a tank
0: (laughs) 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 pierces through your flesh burns through your body you feel this incredible pain as he casts this finger of death towards you and you take 49 necrotic damage uh, to your soul but you are up and you are still powering forward with the the um, assistance of your companions and you will reach him on this turn. What do you want to do? Uh, so taking the, uh,
3: the hit to the chest, just a momentary slow, but Felix knows what happened to Jill. And Carl takes the hit and then seems to just run even faster with Sora's Bane in his right hand, clapping the shield, and at the last moment leaps like a missile and just comes in with Soros Bane overhead. And thanks to the blessing, I have a guaranteed hit. to Both hits, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Any hit you uh, make. Yep.
3: So I'm going to use, Divi- uh, activate Soros Bane for the first hit. Okay. Second hit, I'm going to use a second level spell and Divine Smite with both of them.
0: Okay. Roll that damage. 43 damage. 43 damage to Felix. And so
3: the source bane comes down overhead uh, and just a straight gash across Felix's chest. And before Felix has a chance to respond, Carl twirls, uh, kind of clipping him along the shins as well. And then comes back with the last hit for a shield to the face.
0: Okay, awesome. And Felix, as he's pushed back, you slam this shield against his body and he is thrown backwards. Uh, he falls to the ground, but instantly, almost like like this animated corpse, pops up from the ground and stands there before you. And he's going to use one of his legendary actions. And I need you to make another constitution saving throw, Carl. As he does that, okay. I'm going
3: to use one of my blessings. All right. I'm going to use the blessing of temperance which uh, grants complete control and restraint over one's deepest, most sinful desires. When activating this blessing during the following three rounds... Or is, can I use that on myself? It says any ally.
0: Uh, yeah, that counts as okay. yourself.
3: Yep. Uh, any ally may withhold their attack to become immune to damage for that round, automatically passing any saving throw they are forced to make.
0: Okay, so I'll let you use that, but on the next round, you cannot make an attack. Right. Because of that. Yes. so, so but I'm immune two, to damage, yeah. but I'm in... Right. Yep. I'm in his face. Sure. So, yeah. So, uh, did you hear that? For the next three rounds, any of you can withhold your attack action. Yep. You can choose not to attack and to receive damage. immunity from any damage you would take okay. for the rest of that round. Right. Very good. So, as you activate this... Um, Felix raises his staff kind of in your direction. You're within 20 feet from him. Um, and the sh- the fog around you starts to wisp around you and batter at your shield and batter at your armor, trying to pierce through into the, the flesh of your body, inside the blood of your body. But this blessing, you are... Um, Protected by this angelic force, these wings that surround you, um, and create this your own personal dome of light and protection, so that this fog cannot pierce through. And then, when Felix um, recedes from this spell, feels like he cannot power through any further. This angelic presence recedes; It, it releases you from its wings, and it backs up into the outer. Uh, Barriers of this arena, this battle. And you see another towering pillar of this angelic form right next to the one uh, that Tug summoned from his blessing. And now you you are basically surrounded by these two figures far out into the fog, but you can see their forms um, behind you. And uh, Tug, you're up again.
2: Real quick, that was called temperance? Temperance? Temperance.
0: So two blessings have been used.
2: Uh, how far away is Tug from uh, Felix?
0: Not far, still uh, maybe thirty feet. Like you ran a, a good distance towards him, and Carl only pushed him back slightly with that, those attacks. So, and the hordes have not come at us. Uh, the hordes are kind of yeah they've they're they're kind of still on the outskirts. They're inching closer, but they haven't been commanded to do so yet. Felix is kind of. He's a little prideful. He's taking you on, on by himself, and he's held them at bay for now.
2: Tug begins uh, like kind of like the, the patented kind of like anime slow jog to sprint. Like he's, you know, he, he casts his blessing, had Durf and Carl, you know, powered up for their turn, and he's ready to get in the mix, so he kind of starts a jog, and then you see like a little tug the little tug like like substitute next to him like imitating the exact motions he's got (laughs) (laughs) just like it's like and it's (laughs) just running next to each other and tug plucks off the the level three spell from his uh, uh, from his necklace and uh, kind of in the same hand holding it pulls out the talk back the two crunk greatest hits talk back and as he's running he kind of tosses one up and it kind of hits it underhand kind of like a cricket bat swing uh-huh. with the immovable rod and fires the talk back at uh, uh, at Felix and then drops the spell beat and does the same thing so like the talk back is going through there like <laughs> and then it just kind of like randomly mid-air slow motion is tumbling to fire off uh, a two crunks greatest hit Uh <laughs> of uh, vicious mockery towards uh yeah. towards felix all right so i uh <clears throat> let
0: me look up vicious mockery real quick
2: i think it's 1d4 mental damage or
0: something One
2: d four. so it's it's lobbing through the air and all of a sudden my name's Stu crunk and i'm here to say that i'm gonna cuss you down in a verbal way <laughs> sharp shit coming off my head like a unicorn your mom sucks cuz she does porn Bow! <laughs> and it just kind of tumbles in the air and the the talk back just kind of hits Felix's chest like and then just falls to the ground <laughs> but he feels really bad about himself
0: well i got to make a wisdom save first
2: this, uh, is, this is a crippling attack. I don't know how he survived. <laughs> how
0: can you, I'll roll at a disadvantage because the lyrical genius of two crow. Well, he rolled a four on his first, so that's plus. Uh, does a 12 pass your DC?
2: Uh, what is it? Uh, Base plus. It's like. Proficiency a, plus wisdom? A plus your proficiency, which is at this point like plus four plus your wisdom. Yeah, so that's
0: 15. So that's tw- yeah, okay, so it doesn't or pass. Or 14. So yeah, yeah, it's exactly what that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Lyrics come at him in slow motion. Uh, he hears them as, and he, he kind of like lowers his head a little bit. And this <laughs> spell slams him in the chest and he backs up. He, he falls further back as he is just struck with this verbal onslaught of insults and feels real bad about himself. And Durf, you are up.
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, okay. So uh, first I have to roll the damage from Victor Vicious damage. Mockery. Oh, and I roll. did hit my level three spell at him, which is a fireball. Oh, that, okay, so you were doing both. So Vicious Mockery was a bonus action? So, no, two-crunk, yeah, Vicious Mockery, the two-crunk album thing, is yeah, a bonus action. that's a bonus
0: action, okay. And then the, the spell was fireball. Got it, got it, got it. So
2: got it. let me roll the Vicious Mockery damage, because it's relevant.
0: Perfect.
2: That's gonna be... a two. So <laughs> so go on and take two mental... Two, two mental two, damage. And then, uh, so 8d6 fire damage, if somebody... Do you have a bunch of d6 over <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah, that's uh, 12, 24 28 damage on the fireball.
0: 28 damage on the fireball.
2: Um, Alright, and I'm going to say you cast that uh, just on the outside so Carl's not hit with that. So when he staggers back from the violent assault on his mental psyche, uh, the fireball just kind of careens from the sky and just kind of <laughs> smashes into oh, yeah. him.
0: So he's already kind of like distraught from this <laughs> insult, and he does not have any clue that this other attack is coming straight at him, and this fireball um, hits just behind him a few feet back so Carl's not encompassed in this, and his robes explode into this. Flame um, as he backs away. This this green kind of fire that's coming off of his body intermixes with this red flame in the fireball, and some of the fog around him is burned away as he screams out. um, And Durf, you're up.
1: Okay. Um, Can I like share an action with Rosa? Yes. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is have Rosa dive down towards Carl and Mm -hmm. Felix. I'm going to pass by Carl and touch him on the shoulder and use a fourth level Cure Wounds. Okay. And then as we pass by, Rosa is going to multi-attack Felix aiming for his eyes.
0: Okay, nice.
1: Um, So So the Cure Wounds is 4d8 and I gave my d8 to you on the last turn. (laughs) Okay, so that is... 21 plus 30 Carl is healed for 30
0: Alright
1: um, And then Rosa's attack roll It's a double attack It's a multi attack Both of these are plus 5 to hit First roll is a twenty-four. Second roll is a 9
0: Okay So that's 33
1: Well No it's a multi attack I'm saying the the first attack is a 24, which I assume hits, and the 9 I assume does not. Yes, correct. Okay, so she swoops in, hits him like in the face with her beak. Okay. And sort of uh, closes her mouth and. You know, rins a little, tries to, tries to rend a little flesh uh-huh. off his face. Oh, it
0: peels off easily. Okay. <laughs> He's
1: really fucked up. He's old. He looks like shit. We talked about that earlier. <laughs> um, and then he he ducks under it as she tries to rake him with the claws, too. So she only does uh, 1d10 plus 3, which is 10.
0: 10 damage. 10 so damage. a total of 10 damage. Okay. Nice. And we kind of
1: i don't know if we can sort of swoop past him i don't know if that would
0: no yeah that's fine yep okay you, yeah. you swoop past him um he tries to actually let me roll something real quick uh does 16 hit rosa or yours ac i
1: uh, don't is rosa helped by my gear
0: uh yeah oh yeah so yeah you both together yeah, have an ACF 20 plus whatever. So it then doesn't no, hit. it does not So hit. he reaches up with his quarter staff. He rolled real low, trying to kind of swat at you as you passed him, um, but whiffs. And it's Felix's turn now, and he is surrounded now. Uh, well, actually... Oh, and by the way, why don't you I just want to mention on yeah. my
1: turn, the wolves are in preparation for okay. the hordes coming. So they're like arrayed around us in two semicircles, okay. like snarling at the
0: amassed right. boards, sweet sweet okay so um it's felix's turn now and he is shocked for lack of a better word he is shocked at the amount of power that you all have um and he was not expecting this at all and he says under his breath he says "Fools, I, I should have, have ended <laughs> your pathetic <laughs> lives long ago now i will have, have to do, do you, you have, have no idea, idea the, the power, power i've gained you i have, have become, become a, god. a god i have become a king Thing, and he teleports he's cast the spell teleportation and he disappears from existence around carl and he appears about a hundred feet back you see his form because this green fire explodes from his body and his flesh is just consumed by this this green flame this green spectral flame His mouth opens to the sky and his skeletal hands drop as the flesh of his body, of Felix's body, is shed like snakeskin, falling to the ground in a heap. And then the ground around you all begins to quake. The world around you shakes like in an intense earthquake that you've never felt before. Uh, The air, you feel the air grow in thickness and the ash around you multiplies. The raining ash down multiplies and swirls into a sort of sandstorm around him. Uh, You shield yourself, but nothing prepares you for what emerges from the fog just behind Ren, the spirit form uh, of the seventh priest of Pelor. This gray darkness behind him is seemingly sucked backwards towards and beyond him as his laughter blends with the horrible roar of this otherworldly creature the size of arrow's edge that appears from the fog black holes for eyes and a mouth that could have swallowed the reliance whole this demonic form of the dread king is created in a cyclone of fog turned sludge fog sludge and ash intermixed now to form its hide a rough hide that shifts and squirms on its own, and with this closer look you see that its body is made up entirely of corpses. Rotting, animated, wailing, agonizing corpses that stretch their hands out trying desperately to escape, Ren's spirit is sucked into the cyclone, a trail of green light swirling upwards and around into the body where it becomes one with the Dread King. And the king falls to its knees, gigantic black wings bursting forth from this hellish creature's back. The black eyes explode with this green glow that trails throughout the Dread King's veins. And horns of bone twist around its skull to point up towards the sky into a wicked crown. It heaves at the ground for several tense moments before whipping its head up, staring into your soul. And I want you to think of the creature from Fantasia, the Chernobog, the end of the original Fantasia, uh, except with a crown of bone and a body made up of corpses.
2: So a little different.
0: A little different. And uh, you are face to face with the Dread King the size of a city.
2: And... Durf, hurry, animate some brooms. <laughs>
1: can't <laughs> Tur-
0: <Bonkets> water
2: <laughs> just
1: chucking water and it's not
0: working <laughs> we are in trouble and this creature um pounds its wings against the ground uh just <laughs> pfft, pfft. This this city rises up from the ground and soars into the sky, up and up above you as it screams into the night. This green flame, kind of trailing from its mouth, out from its eyes, all around you, swirling around as these corpses wail. Um, and it soars high, high, high above you. And uh, Carl, you're up. Where's Tess, by the way? Tess she's, is currently protecting. She's his in dad. the protective protecting, bubble with Carl, yeah, that's right, old that's man right. Carl. Um, so, and I'm gonna say also what. What also happens is the, um, creatures that were surrounding you are rushing now towards the wolves. You see wolves leap up. Well, hold on. uh, I have an idea.
1: The wolves were waiting for this, and as soon as the creatures start crashing in, all of them charge outward and leap into the fray, seemingly suicidally, and at that moment, Durf casts Kindness.
0: His Blessing of Kindness? The Blessing of Kindness. Okay.
1: Uh, To be in the presence of one with the true blessing of kindness is to feel the warmth of a soul who radiates joy, goodwill, and genuine compassion. When you activate this blessing, you and any number of allies you choose radiate an aura of kindness that manifests itself in an area of bright, holy light until the end of your next turn. While surrounded by this light, the target gains advantage on any saving throws by spells cast or attacks by fiend or undead. The light shines in a thirty-foot radius centered on the target. Enemy, any enemy creature that touches this light takes fifty radiant damage.
0: Holy that's goodness. pretty. That's Perfect. pretty fucking- <laughs> Perfect. So you're spirit
2: bomb, baby. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's go. Yep. So um, I assume you're you're casting this on every single one of your wolves and the Gringo? and Garl and Tug and myself. Right. Okay. <laughs> so at once, uh, Durf kind of. Activates this blessing. He raises his hands into the air and you all feel this incredible warmth of kindness around you and you you This light from your heart expands outwards your your body glows with this light and you are surrounded by this sphere of of radiant radiant energy and one by one each of the wolves like down the line are just like just explode with this glowing holy light and the creatures are uh, 50 radiant damage times 2 is 100. So each of these creatures just burn up instantly. These wolves power through. They charge into the fray. They lunge upwards towards these monsters. And before even landing a claw or tooth on them, um, they fall to the ground and they disappear completely from existence. Um, and the three of you are now surrounded in this in this holy light to do whatever... Uh, whatever you want with it, essentially, um, you have this ability for until the end of Durf's next turn, um, which would be basically the whole round. Cause you cast this as a, as a free action. So we'll just say the entire next round, which is about to start now. Cause, uh, Carl has to go and then we'll do a whole round of, uh, of, of action. So you all surrounded in this Holy light. Um, anything, anything ar- around you is going to take 50 radiant damage. As long as you pass through it's, it's space. Uh, Carl, it's your turn. you see this all around you. Happy. So
3: as as all these wolves kind of uh, disappear or you know seem to be destroyed, uh, frustration mounts in Carl and once again, Sora's bane bites in his palm and tears start to well <laughs> on his face. Um, but unlike any other time, this time is different. these These are tears of relief and joy. This is going to end. Here. One way or another, this is it. And Carl turns very slowly, sees the Dread King, and takes off running once more. This time is it. We are going to finish this
0: right now. Perfect. And your mounts are your mounts have been like slowly surrounding you, and I think Vern catches uh this and takes to the air and soars in step with you as you're running towards this creature who's kind of soared up into the air and Vern is right there by your side um you know protecting you uh ready for any commands you may you may have for him and and uh we're back to Tug
2: uh so Tug at which was running towards uh Felix now the Dread King um in kind of what was an opening Tug sees the Dread King to the sky and you just hear the the like the whistle that Tug has done every single time and he's just running and as as he has the the bond with Boomsday over uh, their adventure, he just leaps into the air and Boomsday just immediately scoops him up and it's just a piss missile towards the Dread King. Um, and I don't know if I reach him or not. Which you can, yep. Okay, so uh, Tug uh, closing the distance is now like climbing on top of Boomsday. So he's kind of like in a, uh, again, with little tug on, on on Boomsday's head, kind of like, you know, like, uh, like Jack Sparrow on the sinking ship before he steps <laughs> onto the dock, just proudly standing on the front uh, on top of Boomsday's head. Uh, Tug gets into kind of like a surfer position on Boomsday's back and lines up Cable Call and fires it into the Dread King and pulls himself in and when he does he he, uh, Tug clasps at his heart and closes his eyes and again just throws his hand out from the middle of his chest and uh, uses the uh, Blessing of Diligence (laughs) The Blessing of Diligence grants a moment of persistent and careful action in the time of need when activating this blessing, you slow the fabric of time. Your speed is tripled, and you are allowed three full turns of action economy instead of one. Let's get fucking after it, boys. <laughs> And as, uh, I, oh, what movie is it? Where uh, I think it's Matthew McConaughey jumps off the top of the building into the dragon's mouth. <laughs> Rain of fire yes so that's kind
0: of what's <laughs> going was, on you mean the tavern uh, <laughs> yeah, Edge that, that was
2: yeah reign of fire recreated by uh carl with a k recreated by tug the thug mug bar riding the cable call in and kind of careens just into the dread king's like face like top of his face and it's just like a guttural uh roar uh, from tug and all 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 that comes out is just disrespectfully disagree <laughs> <laughs> and tug sma- smacks again the cable call removal rod and uh begins his three actions uh worth of attacks yeah. on the dread king uh
0: three turns so that means actions and bonus actions
2: Correct, and we're about to expend some key points (laughs) for Flurry of Blows, (laughs) so I think we're going to go through a cycle of 11 attacks. (laughs) Or excuse me, quick math, 3 times 4 is 12 12 attacks. (laughs) Um, Uh, right.
0: so podcast time, fast forward, 8 land against the Drake King. 8 attacks.
2: Alright, so that's 8d8 plus 40. (laughs) Alright. 35 plus 40. 75 75 damage. damage. Let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, just to describe this, it is just a, uh, it is an unprecise, uncalculated, just kind of of like uh, somebody banging on a drum, just overhand, just strikes, just violent, guttural just savage no finesse to them and every time it hits the lightning ripples through all the corpses and you just hear like the raising moans as uh the lightning the lightning gauntlets are just sending these this lightning riding through the dread king almost making look look like He's got like veins of lightning when in reality it's just the ripple of the attacks rippling through the body.
0: Yeah, and you see these these spectral angelic fists kind of follow each of your uh, tug you as in slow motion with the blessing of diligence you see these these angelic fists kind of power through and slam into the Dread King. The clouds all around, this, this fog that surrounds it just lights up with this lightning from your fists. Um, the rest of you, uh, as you're watching this in real time, basically just see Tug rocket towards the Dread King and you just see just these boom, 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 these fists powering forward, uh, punching through this Dread King, these giant things that expand out from, uh, from Tug's fists and yet another, a fourth Um, angelic presence kind of surrounds this this entire place this entire misty wood uh, just on the outskirts of the fog and you now have four pillars of of these these priests these angels that are now surrounding you and we are taken away from the battle for just a moment and as this this battle against the dread king and the misty wood rages we see that the war of euphoros Uh, still continues on in the world outside. We're taken north towards the snow-capped ranges of the Veg Mountains, where an industrial dwarven city is under attack. Uh, Dark creatures storm the gates and flood the streets, pouring over the walls like water over a broken levee until met with a crash against the first line of defenses, a moving wall of dwarven-operated mechs. The Dark Horde is blasted with launchers full of gel bombs, spraying sludge across the sides of buildings. Nero and Hamlet operate two of the largest machines in the front lines back to back, shouting commands to the others that fall in line, trying desperately to hold them back to protect their citizens, but the darkness is unyielding. They push against the mechs with tremendous force, inching ever closer to the mountainside where the population of Hammer's Reach waits in hiding. All hope is nearly lost, but then the sound of an avalanche comes from the mountains above. The dwarves look behind them with horror and up, but instead... Of the thunder of a thousand tons of falling snow, they look upon a thousand pairs of massive blue feet churning forward. An army of frost giants storm down the slopes towards the darkness with a battle cry that shakes the ground, armed with thick leathers, mastodon skull hens, clubs the size of tree trunks, Walter leading the charge.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Walter the
2: fucking legend, buddy. <laughs> hey, so...
1: Shoutouts to Walter. <laughs> shout out to Walter. That's my brother-in-law's name, by the way. So shoutouts to Walter.
2: Anti shout out to, shout out to, out to the brother in law. Super shout out to Walter the Frost Giant.
0: Um, and we are led back into the main battle and Durf, you're up.
1: So what is the Dread King's head look like? Is it like a skull?
0: Uh, it's, it's a black skull, sc- it's thick, it's not just a skull, like, it's full of corpses, you see, like, these bodies just kind of squirming around its eye holes, these dark, uh, b- like, black holes that formed its eyes are now, um, filled with the green flame of Ren, the spirit of Ren that is manifested in this flame, um, but it's not, it's not all in bone. The, the, Wait, so it
1: doesn't have eyes? It has eyes. It, it does has have eyes.
0: eyes. Well, you, I mean, you don't see, like, an iris and pupils, but it's got holes for eyes where currently like green spirit is oozing out of them like if
1: i was going to have a swarm of insects attack its eyes it doesn't have eyes
0: right <laughs> okay <laughs> it's not going to hurt if you poke it in the eye right 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 or if i s-
1: send insects into the flames right they're it, just going it's gonna also catch the, on
0: the fire. size of like a small mountain Ooh. so
1: <laughs> yeah this it's got a lot of hp i assume all right well shit i mean are there any rules do we know like i mean there are rules there's tons of rules (laughs) uh like it's like an undead type creature like if i use blight on it is that gonna like hurt it or heal it uh what does blight do necrotic damage no necrotic damage would hurt it
0: I, uh necrotic damage would not hurt this okay. Creature made Wasn't of, it because they were shooting like necrotic energy. shit at yeah, Carl. Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. It, it is sense. uh yeah. Wait, is there any like uh residual damage from his blessing and me being covered in uh, Oh, yeah, everybody
1: it takes 50 from everybody. Oh, right. Yeah. No, it takes orange. an
0: additional 100 damage from you uh entering its space. I didn't mean mention that. Yeah. And you are you're like surrounded in this orb of radiant energy. Um yeah, I, I should write that down. I, I forgot.
2: I'm like a, I'm like the Gotenk spirit bomber.
0: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you, essentially that's what you are. You are a missile firing towards this with this blessing from Durf and you enter its space and you see the Dread King's flesh. Like as you punch this corpse and you enter its space, the corpses kind of like wisp away and you were, you were seeing more and more of the insides of the Dread King, which is this, this, um, spiritual essence of Ren uh come forth so the dread king the the hard shell the hard rough uh corpse filled black shell of the dread king is slowly as you attack it being kind of ripped away and you see corpses kind of like fall and they soar down to the ground and um all that's left in in certain places is just this essence of ren that's kind of oozing out almost like blood but yeah you deal by just entering its space an, an additional 100 radiant damage
2: to okay, this I believe the kids say yeet.
0: That
1: gives Durf an idea.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we talked
1: about that. I forgot that we had that aura on us. Okay, so Rosa is beelining at the fucking Dread King. Durf jumps off to the left, uses his staff of. What is my staff called? Staff of Beasts to upgrade my wild Shape CR to two turn into a Quetzalcoatlus. Okay. Um, and me and Rosa are flying parallel to each other, and we each do a flyby and sort of rake at the Dread King's back, but as we do so, we're flying by dealing the radiant damage Absolutely. as we go yep. in a line yep. as we swoop over it. Okay. So, Rosa will do a multi-attack again, which is a 23
2: and a <clears throat> 7.
0: Uh, 23 will hit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a
2: lot of 16s that didn't convert to hits, so. <laughs> Let's, where did my D10 go? There we go. Which does 5 damage. That's. Well, just be... think of it as 105.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, does 105 damage. Okay. Whereas I. Uh, 14.
2: Doesn't does hit. I, definitely not. Hit. No, it doesn't so hit. So just a clean
0: 100.
1: Yeah, clean 100.
0: All right, so 205 damage. All right.
1: And we. We swoop by, sort of, and we curve outward in perfect sync. Right. So we end up on either side of him, like 50 yards away facing each other across his left and right.
0: Excellent. So you, you soar past the dread King. Um, you see these corpses wail as they're basically ripped away from his hide, revealing more of this green essence of Wren that kind of oozes out from his side. And, uh, you end up to the side, to the side of the dread King. And he is roaring into the sky, flame kind of bursting from all his sides, all this green flame kind of oozing out. And we're taken away from the battle once again. Um, Far to the southwest, where the sandstorms of the Red Sands rage, and the Dreadlings are already upon the city of Corbai. We see archers and arcane tower wizards that rain down volleys of arrows and spells from the tops of towers, pushing back the darkness as armed citizens try desperately to defend their home within their own streets. Aaron, Patch, and Simon lead a squadron of Corby's finest, set to defend the lane up into the arena. Alexa and her parents are seen with hands outstretched in a concentrated sphere of protection around the soldiers, but the barrier is fading quickly, and somewhere from the desert, a horn blares, and the creatures turn to see a sea of horsemen racing towards the city, scimitars in hand. A white horse leads the charge, ridden by a strong-backed and hard-faced tiefling vying for revenge. And we are back in the action. And it is now uh, the Dread King's turn.
2: Question before the Dread King's turn. Yep. Um, I just checked my poorly written notes here. And all our damage is radiant. Should all of that have been doubled?
1: All of Kirk's damage.
2: No, all of us are dealing radiant damage. damage. I didn't deal any damage.
0: Well, you. No, uh, I'm saying,
2: but like. Well, I guess Rose. Our armor made us deal in radiant damage.
0: Yours should have been, yeah, radiant damage. You had 75. So Rosa dealt 10.
2: Fuck okay. yeah! Cool. Not, go ahead. Go ahead and upgrade mine from uh, what was it, 175 to 250 damage, please.
0: Yeah,
1: and upgrade so Rosa did, no, I, from well, five. It was from to ten. It
0: was from fifty to hundred, and then seventy-five to one hundred and fifty. So you did a whole yeah, two hundred and fifty. Okay. Yeah, I got that. Did you get the extra five? <laughs> I got the extra five. <laughs> yes. My fault. Yes. You did radiant damage. Yep. Yep. Uh, we're <laughs> still kicking. Uh, it is currently the Dread King's turn, and, and Durf, your blessing fades. So the orbs surrounding you, this this golden holy light uh, surrounding you and your allies um, fades, and your wolves are still there. They're fending the, the creatures back, but... Um, no longer doing just immense radiant damage. And uh, it's the Dread King's turn. And the Dread King is going to do two things. Um, he spreads his wings out and beats them out for, uh, further and this long tail kind of erupts from its rear end with this forked, uh, forked arrow at the end. And it spins in the air this massive mountain of a creature spins in the air to do a sweeping attack on uh, all four of you. Wing and body and tail as as this flesh is kind of like rotting and, and shredding from its body this green fire all around it. It is uh, spinning in the air to try to hit anything that's around it. And I need you all to make a a strength saving throw.
2: Great. My specialty. 18 for tug and then okay. um, yeah, so 12 for boomsday. Okay. What'd you roll? Four for me and a 10 for Rose. Okay, none of you pass.
0: Uh, 18 sh- didn't fucking pass? Fuck no. It's the dread motherfucking king! <laughs> God. Uh, minus all, one strength. It doesn't get better for me. You all take a total of oh God. 33 <laughs> bludgeoning
2: damage.
1: You see a tug. Total, tug. So you mean divided five. between the five of us, no, right? No,
2: each... each. <laughs> so you awkwardly see tug like buddy hug his uh, his his little his little doll <laughs> the little animated tug and as he just kind of like sheepishly shields his body from this this <laughs> dread king's attack as it's just vaporized in tug's place so it
0: takes 20 of that damage it right? takes 20 okay, of that sweet, damage sweet
2: so a uh, little animated blow up doll tug is no longer in existence so actually okay durf actually detransforms
1: and only takes 3 damage but he's falling. Uh, Rosa does not die and darts toward him to catch him.
2: What's my Pegasus okay. HP? Uh, I didn't. Well, I, I, know, I Rosa's, never Rosa's honestly thought fifty.
0: I, I yeah. said a straight fifty to so, everybody.
2: Okay, I said a straight fifty. Okay, so yep. seventeen left on that. Yep.
3: So okay. is there? Are you down? Like death save down? Or are you?
0: No, so no, gonna, no, 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 uh, no. I am. He, he I, he de-transforms de-transforms I, know, I no longer exactly can long. fly. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So, Quetzalcoat- yes, but you fall on. on. Give me an animal handling check just to make sure. Not that you get like plus 30, <laughs> but 29. Okay, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Rosa catches you with ease um, as you fall from this Quetzalcoatlus form. Um, and Carl, you're up. Uh, seeing that.
3: Durf and Rosa and Carl and Boomsday kind of have been blown back. Uh, Vern and I are uh, running directly at the Dread King. Uh, Vern, I see Vern look at me, and I kind of double tap my chest. And as we approach the Dread King, I jump and get vaulted from Vern's back directly for the exposed mass of the Dread King.
0: Right. Are you about to use a blessing yet?
3: Carl is yeah.
1: gesturing towards um, his chest for the listeners of this podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I vault off of Vern, crash into the Dread King, um, trying to get to the center mass.
0: Uh,
3: first one was a 14
0: to hit? Uh, that doesn't hit. No, nope. oh, does was the second one. Natural 20? Oh, yeah. Do it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to activate uh, Sora's Bane. Okay. For my last
0: charge. Okay, you know your W damage, because it's yeah. 60 total. 16 total? 16? Okay. No, great. All right. So what does it
2: look like? So that was a 30, doubled for those of you keeping track at home. Tug is still the strongest <laughs> oh. character.
0: So as Carl is
3: flying for this, the Dread King's chest, uh, he reverses grip on Sora's bane and stabs the Dread King in this exposed area. And it's just Carl... Uh, wrenching Sora's Bane back and forth, trying to make as big of a wound as
0: possible okay. in the
3: chest of the Dread King.
0: Perfect. And, and as you, like, stab your sword into, into the Dread King's chest, you can feel, you can see this spectral sword that is 20 times larger as your own um, just rend forward in, like, a Z formation across this Dread King's body, uh, ripping apart these corpses, piercing this this uh, creature's hide, and this green uh this green spirit just oozes out of it. You see, uh, you see its flesh being torn apart as the Dread King is is screaming in agonizing pain towards the heavens uh, from this radiant damage, and we're back up to tug.
2: Uh, so, Tug being on the back of the Dread King, we'll say I guess now is more like crown of the head, like nape area. Um, Tug will, again, just kind of feed into his rage and how upset he is and uh, do another flurry of blows. Okay. So, that is four, right? We decided? Yep. Woof. Twelve. Uh, 21, 20, dirty, 24. Okay, three will hit. Okay. Um, so for this, the way I'm going to kind of like mentally, I guess I'll roll for damage and then I'll figure out. Uh, can I get three D8s, please? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, and a two. So let's go ahead Let's go ahead and make that a 19 damage, Eric. So 19. The way this looks, um, we'll say this is uh, this is less damage because it was more of a strategic based attack. But uh, Tug uh, kind of puts the cable call kind of like in his palm, so it runs up his forearm and holds the immovable rod and just does three elbow strikes in the top of the immovable rod so it kind of like sinks into the nape of the dread king and then he just with one finger taps the button of the immovable rod so it can't be dislodged or go anywhere
0: inside the dread king
2: correct so so like half of it is sticking out half it in and he locks it in place okay
0: fuck yeah um okay awesome Uh, So you tap the immovable rod, you stab this immovable rod into the Dread King, he screams out in pain, and you tap the button, and the Dread King there is beating its wings, but it is not moving upward any longer, it is stuck in place as this thing is lodged deep within its flesh, and, uh, Durf, you're up. How's, how's the Dread King looking? Um. Dreadful. It, pretty dreadful. <laughs> pretty. D- I'll, be, I'll be completely honest, you have done a shit ton of damage to it. Uh, there is still, I mean, there's still thousands and millions of corpses on its body, but you see a large amount of this green essence that is coming out of it. That's all I'll say. It doesn't look like it has... It looks like it's been in a fight. Okay. It doesn't look as powerful as it once was when you first saw it. Here's what Durf does.
1: Durf is riding on Rosa... Durf has 60 HP. Uh, Carl, you're like in front of him,
3: Yeah, right? I'm on his, ch- like on his chest. Okay.
1: Durf is going to fly on Rosa to like right dead center in front of Rosa. And Durf is going to use his blessing of charity. The blessing of charity represents the giving of oneself to others. When activating this blessing, reduce your hit points by any amount you choose. Four times the reduction of hit points goes into a pool of charity points that must use to either must be used to either heal your allies or damage your foe before the end of your turn.
0: What do you? What's your total max?
1: I have sixty.
0: You have sixty total. Okay.
1: Um. So Durf is going to use. All 60 of his health points. Fuck yeah, uh, dude. To try to end this fight all at once. He's in front of Felix. His whole body is just radiating. Because he's a druid, let's say it's green. It's radiating this green light that's just growing and growing and growing. And then blasts forward and does 240 times 2. So it does 480 damage okay. to the Dread King. Okay. And then after the blast dissipates, Durf falls over unconscious on the neck of Rosa. Okay. The
0: Fuck yes, it okay. Has no HP. And you see uh, this, this green orb that kind of expands from your body, mixes in with the green essence of Ren that's coming out of this Dread King, and the Dread King roars into the sky, this incredible pain over the washes over its body. You see corpses just start to fly off of it. Its wings are shredding. You see just the skeleton remains of this wings. It stops flying, and it slumps down on this uh, immovable rod that is sticking it in place in midair we move away from the battle for just a moment and we are taken to the western edge where uh, you see arrows edge still under attack and Sassy and Falcor are, are still mid-air just uh, uh, blasting spells and blade strikes against the incoming enemy uh, we see Dozer and Abby at the top of a keep just um, batting down the enemy as, as they as they try to to reach the the castle walls. And then we're taken to to the far eastern coast off of King's Landing, where the Black Plains have already taken hold long ago. Uh, screeches of angry cre- creatures fill the docks and the surrounding peninsula as some take flight up towards the eastern sea to meet their foe. Um, we see a fleet of elven ships, 500 strong, churning through the white waters towards the dark horizon from the east. Eleanor and Sierra clasp hands and ready their weapons with the rest of Asselgrove's army looking forward with not an ounce of fear and we're taken back and the dread king um is slumped down looking on its in its last breath you see uh corpses being shred from its body falling down to the ground with whales um And then we see its chest open up, Carl, in front of you, as you are there atop Vern, landing on top of Vern, just uh, staring into the depths of the Dread King, and this green essence bursts forth. And within the smoke, within the wisps of smoke, past this energy that is the spirit of Ren, you see the face of Jill. Inside. In the heart of the Dread King, With her eyes green, she looks at you almost into your soul with a blank stare. Her hands are tied, her legs are are bound, this sinewy blackness kind of surrounding her and and reaching up into her arms and her chest and her her head. And she looks completely under uh, Ren's control inside this Dread King who is um, laid still and screaming into the darkness. And through the sound waves, you hear this this little girl's voice. Carl, it's it's okay. I can be brave. I'm brave just like you. And you're up.
3: (laughs) So I'm standing there uh, on top of Vern, the side... Of Jill, Uh, just an excitement, a joy, but also a pain. And Vern feels me shift my weight forward, and we go flying at Jill. Sora's bane stretched out ahead of me to strike strike her down. And at the last moment before I reach her, I drop Sora's Bane and my shield aside and end up in um, a grasp of Jill, a hug, um, and use my last blessing, which is the Blessing of Purity. The Blessing of Purity represents the Pelor Incarnate, And the most powerful of all virtues. When activating this blessing, your body is consumed white with a pure, holy, and radiant light. With a true strike to an exposed heart, the blessing of purity has the power to rid even the blackest of hearts from every essence of evil and darkness. But I'm not going to strike Jill down. I'm just going to hold her in an embrace and hope that this will be enough to save Jill... And finish the Dread King.
0: All right. So your arms uh, wrap around Jill as your body is consumed with this this white hot light, this radiant energy that expands, it ever it, it grows uh, larger and larger inside the heart of the Dread King. And we see this another this sixth angelic form, this pillar of uh, of palor surrounds the battlefield. And now these six outstretched, these six pairs of outstretched hands, these angelic pillars of light from the outside of the battlefield, you see spheres start to form in their chests, and this concentrated beam of light shoot out towards the Dread King and where you are in this growing sphere that's inside their heart, inside the heart of the Dread King. And it it expands outward and and you feel blown backwards by the sheer power of this thing. And the the Dread King, uh, his roar up into the heavens echoes across the peninsula of Euphoros as this this incredible radiant energy uh, tears him asunder. Uh, from the eastern coast of King's Landing to the western mountains holding Arrow's Edge, from the northern peaks of the Veg Mountains to the southern desert of the Red Sands, the defenders that remain drop their weapons and hold their fire as they watch the darkness start to recede like a blanket being pulled upwards from the center. The curtain is pulled back on the dreadlings that attack the world, putrid black substance peeling away from those possessed like a slimy, sticky outer shell, leaving them slumped to the ground naked, unconscious, and barely alive. Ash and mud, flesh and smoke, green fire, it rushes up from the ground around the dread king as he arches his back, head towards the sky, slowly fading into nothingness with a haunting scream heard throughout the world. And finally, as the last of the darkness is pulled into the misty wood from around the world, it peels away the Dread King's remaining flesh, and he is torn apart from bottom to top, the pillar still rushing upwards above the clouds. The echo of his scream fades with the rumble of thunder just as the sun begins to rise over the eastern sea on an entire continent that falls silent. The history books are filled with stories from that day The day hope won over dread And light beat out the darkness The books tell of the reconstruction of a broken land Of the years that passed And the healing of a land's people Fractured but unbroken They tell of a family reunited Of a young, once troubled paladin Whose path was straightened When he learned the true meaning of the greater good
3: Screen comes up and it shows, it says Woodhaven 20 years later. And there's the church of Woodhaven. And you, there's a single hooded figure standing at the altar, staring up at a stained glass window. And it is, it depicts Carl and Jill and Carl's father and Tess all kind of locked into. Uh, an embrace and it slowly pans to the other windows throughout the church and one depicts a wedding with Carl and Tess and Jill and his father um, and the next one depicts uh, Tess and Carl and Jill standing over a grave that is clearly Carl's father the next one it just depicts tess and jill and beside carl's dad is carl's grave and then it slowly pans back to the cleric at the standing at the altar um who slowly lowers her hood and it is jill who has become a priest but who also carries sora's bane and her father and brother's shield and sitting in the crowd as it pans around is Tess. And Jill gets down and Tess joins her and then they slowly walk out of the church.
0: The history books tell of unity, of forgiveness in the desert, of dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants, of a new age and a capital that became a melting pot of people from all walks of life, regardless of their race. Pride was cast aside to make room for hope, charity, and love. The books tell of sacrifice, of a young elf whose dreams for a future came true, but at the ultimate price.
1: After the battle, uh, Rosa flew off. No one ever saw her again. And as everyone resettled in the remains of Woodhaven and rebuilt, um, in the woods around Woodhaven, whenever people went out into the woods for whatever reason, um, it is said that they would, at times, see a massive confluence of wildlife. Uh, they would see just herds of deer and Badgers and birds and insects and whatever uh, coursing through the woods uh, seemingly towards who knows what. And at the head of these um, large confluences of uh, animals, there was always one single massive, beautiful stag elk with, uh, you know, 40 points, let's say. The most magnificent uh, elk anyone has ever seen, leading all of the creatures of the forest around Woodhaven to um, all sorts of uh, whatever end for the forest. And the forest was always healthy and vibrant for many years to come. And always in the antlers of the elk, one could see uh, its friend... A rat,
0: <laughs>
1: nestled in the tips of its, uh, of its horns,
3: eating a little piece of falafel.
0: <laughs> Amazing. For all of time. Songs were sung of a young halfling who, with the winds of change and despair always blowing, never once wavered in his focus the people saying of brotherhood and friendship, of bravery, courage, and the unbreakable bond of three companions until the end of their days.
2: So we're going to do uh, kind of like a cinematic pan. It's actually going to start, it's kind of like a space-time riff that was caused by the immovable rods being placed stationary into something and having that dissipate around it. It's just kind of stuck in the air and kind of becomes like, This is what happened here that day type of remembrance memorial. So the immovable rod is just stuck in air at the location of the final battle. But the camera kind of looks to that and then zips through Woodhaven and ends up at the leaky toad. And, uh, it's, uh, the, the sun is setting. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a late evening sun is setting. Um, tug is out front of, uh, of the leaky toad. Um, waving goodbye to the final patron um, leaving for the evening and he pushes his way back through his door and he pushes his way back through his door and kind of takes off like a a dusty cap that he was wearing for the day for his work and kind of, you know, slaps it along his thigh to kind of get the dust to kind of like cloud off of the hat and he uh, hangs it on the... uh, the uh, elk helmet Of uh derf Right next to the door And he walks along the bar And does kind of like A little final wipe down Of the bar And you know You just kind of see him Turn around And kind of pan uh, To the room uh, Takes a, a deep sigh Just kind of like The patented tug Like <sighs> And he goes through The doorway To go up the stairs To his room Where he Um uh, Taps the uh, the the chest plate of Carl above the doorway or next to the doorway because Tug's short, so next to the doorway <laughs> uh, with the uh, the uh, the symbol of Mashakel. He he taps that and he labors up the stairs to go to bed.
0: Songs were sung and stories were told. They told of evil and good, sin and virtue, sacrifice, forgiveness, redemption bravery, glory, and of a land rebuilt and its people reborn. They told of the tale of three unlikely heroes who could have given up at any moment, but instead chose to look beyond themselves and risk everything for the good of the world. Last but certainly not least, I want to thank our $5 or more patrons. Metal Minister Nasty Neal Jordan Medley Joseph McCarthy Edward Code Charles Hollow Joe All Kristen McAdams Dr. Poga Gino Esperata Jace Harper Chris Nelson Zachary Barrett Crowley Barros, The Stone Druid, Joshua Gibson, 8-Bit Wizard, James J.C. Eclantz, Uncles with Benefits, Daniel Miles, Jaeger, Raver E. Alice, Petey, Super Average Jason, Andrew Fontenot, Tastic, Ursula Bertea, Cody Irwin, Shepard Tiberius, Jimmy the Penguin, Austin Pence, Tim Searle, Liquor Locker, J.J. Holler, Tucker Barkley, Pat Monads, Kevin DeHart, Matthew Watson, Jesse Jones, Jason Rittman, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Lampright, Ian Coughling, William Martin, Dice Quest Podcast, a.k.a. Jack Nuke, Nick Vukalich and Adam Hoffling. Thank you all so much for your support to the show. We'll see you later.